Hello and welcome to Super Excited with Stefan Roost. I'm Mike, the facilitator of this podcast. In this episode, Stefan talks to Sam Kazemian. Sam Kazemian is the founder of Frax. He also founded Everipedia, a for-profit wiki-based online encyclopedia, and later served as its president before founding Frax. In this episode, Stefan and Sam discuss inflation-resistant stablecoins, Fed rate hikes, and how it's the time to build based on fundamentals. Enjoy this episode. Hey, everybody. Back again. Uh, super excited. Um, despite the market turmoils and, and all the noise and buzz around stablecoins, to be here with Sam. Sam is the founder and CEO of Frax. Frax is one of the top stablecoins out there and has managed to remain very stable throughout this unstable period. Sam, thank you for joining. Welcome. Yeah, uh, pleasure to yeah. be here. Uh, markets are a little bit uh, in, in, in pain, um, but yeah. uh, I, it's, it's been good for Frax overall. Uh, I think yeah. Frax and, and, and Dai uh, from, from Maker are kind of the last decentralized stable coins at scale standing. I usually yeah. mainly look at the ones above a billion uh, market cap. Yeah. Yeah, no. And, uh, and, 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 you know, sort of maybe, maybe share a bit of background on yourself, right. And how you got to stable coins, because you've been in crypto for a long time, right? I mean, you started off with a whole different chain on itself and then evolved into running stable coins, maybe share a bit with the community sort of, yeah, how, yeah, what, what your, a bit in your background and, and then how you got into Frax and stable coins. Yeah. Um, so I got into crypto a long time ago, around 2013, 2014, while I was a student at UCLA. Um, I got into yeah. just, you know, mining, uh, just kind of the, the hobby mining space, the mining Dogecoin, uh, proof of work coins, script coins, all, all those things. Um, yeah. A little bit of Bitcoin. It was kind of the tail end of of Bitcoin being able to be mined by anything other than ASICs. Um, ASICs. And that's when, yeah, the, those things were coming out, you know, the, the first ant miners and, and, and stuff. Um, after UCLA, I founded Everpedia with uh, a few colleagues and friends. It's like a decentralized version of uh, Wikipedia. And uh, that's doing really well. And uh, my, my colleagues are, are running that. And um, in 2019, I had the idea of, of Frax and that's, basically uh, what all my time is devoted to now. And Frax is interesting because, you know, d depending on how you look at algo stablecoins, Frax is either kind of right on in terms of like the, the premise or, you know, it, it's, you know, some people right now are really bearish algo stablecoins. But if you actually uh, think about the, the idea of Frax, when we actually came out with it, uh, it was, you know, before you know, ESD basis cash and all these things had, had like really yeah. taken off in yeah, DeFi summer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and our premise was these things weren't going to work uh, long term because they had no exogenous collateral, right? So Frax is the name comes from a portmanteau of a fractional algorithmic stablecoin. And the idea is that you can have a dynamic collateral ratio that, that adjusts based on you know, market conditions. And that ratio is the ratio of, you know, hard assets that that back the stablecoin supply and, uh, you know, illiquid or reflexive, whatever people want to uh, call it, like either FXS or or credit loans or, or things like that, that back this algorithmic supply that, you know, the frax that's on the open market for those, uh, that amount, right, that has to be stabilized by uh, changing its, its its supply, right? Supply to meet demand. And so like right now, Frax is actually 89% collateralized by hard assets. Um, and 11% of the supply is algorithmic, meaning that it's, uh, it's you know, not backed by ETH, USDC, other stable coins like DAI or, or like protocol owned liquidity. Um, and so far, Frax has held its peg perfectly from launch. It's about 16 months uh, old. And um, I think that this is the, the right idea. If, if algo stable coins are going to uh, be a thing, right, which I think they're, you know, people say they're the kind of holy grail or the final kind of incarnation of, of on-chain decentralized stable coins, it's going to have to be something similar to, to Frax or something similar to Maker. Um, I actually see Maker as, as like 
fairly like uh, a, an algorithmic stablecoin because recently they've they've been doing a lot of uh, minting into Aave and different protocols and, and Maker is fully backed, right? So in terms of it has yeah. fully exogenous collateral, but fully collateralized. Yeah, and and as as we'll talk, I think I'll, I'll kind of explain my philosophy of of a what I think an algorithmic stablecoin is. And so like why I consider both DAI and FRAX fairly similar. Um, and, and so uh, I think FRAX is the right idea. I think Maker had the right idea. Um, and I think right now at scale, they're the only two on-chain stablecoins that have basically uh, done really well in, in this market and in obviously previous you know, market conditions as well. So I just want to highlight, right? So what you're doing and just to put into contrast the value that Frax is offering, right? I mean, 89% of the stablecoin is backed, right? And put that into contrast where the fiat institutions and financial institutions that are out there today are mandated from a, a regulatory standpoint to have 20% collateralized, right? So of their whole exposure, they have to, at any given time, have to have 20% liquid in terms of their asset backs. Um, they may have a better balance sheet in terms of having fully backed, but at least they need to have 20% of that liquid. So when there's a bank run and just that one contrast, and then the other contrast is, you know, the world needs a decentralized algorithmic stablecoin. There's no doubt about it, right? And, and in my view, at least, and I think that's why Frax is super interesting where you have that, 10 to 11% or 12%, if you will, wherever it's, it pegs on, um, that is algorithmically controlled. And either way, the mathematics and the signage that is out there is is, is controlled by an algorithm, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I think and that's like, super interesting, right? Yeah. And, and like, for example, Frax has about you know, 1.5 billion supply right now. And so at 89% yeah. backing, that's right around... Uh, 11% of the supply is, is algorithmic. And so what that means is that uh, about 150 uh, million FRAX stablecoins are, are algorithmic, right? They're, they're, they're yeah. not uh, backed by hard assets. And, and uh, yeah. it's, it's pretty robust. And, and this, this collateral ratio changes. So in fact, at, at, it was at its lowest 82%. Now it's 89. I think in this market, it will continue to probably and reasonably go up into the 90s, right? Because people yeah. want to see uh, safety and, and hard liquid backing. Yeah. And so the algorithm basically increases and measures according to the volatility of the market, as well as the fear factor in the market so the greater the fear factor the higher the uh, that's that's interesting maybe yeah how does that work yeah so so the the cr uh changes based on a, a lot of different like data basically how much frax yeah. is being redeemed or, or contracting right which means people you know the market is uh, signaling that it, it does not think the current you know uh, collateral ratio is is good right so it wants to see a, a higher amount of backing, right? And so um, as a lot of stable coins have contracted in supply, DAI is contracted by 30 to 40%. Frax itself has contracted by 40%. Um, Tether itself these past few days have uh, has contracted by over 10%, um, you know, at, at like 80 billion. That's, you know, Tether's contracted by over 8 billion in, in just like less yeah, than a yeah. week. Right. That's like a billion outflow a day on, on average. Um, so we use all of those data points and entirely on chain. So there's so the other thing to to mention is that, um, for example, unlike Terra, uh, every part of Frax is is on chain, uses smart contracts. It's it's decentralized. What you see is what you get. It's, it's basically yeah. every asset and, and, and collateral on uh, that the, the Frax protocol has access to the code that you know, expands the frac supply and burns the frac supply. They're all smart contracts, so you can you can literally go look at them. Uh, if if someone is asking, for example, you know, what is the eighty nine percent collateral uh, backed by? The the front end does show it, but you don't have to believe the front end, right? You can just go directly to yeah. all of the smart contracts and you can see exactly what it is. Um, that that helps a lot in terms of design, right? I think the the main uh, kind of like problem, both both for like Things for, for example, like either Tether and especially, for example, Terra is like you have these like scares where it's like, 
are they, you know, oh my God, everyone's exiting Tether. Does that mean it's not solvent? Like you can't check, right? I'm personally fairly yep. fine with Tether. I, I think it's it's fairly safe. Um, I obviously think USDC is yeah. is, is safer, but um, I'm, I'm not like, a, you know, I don't lose sleep over Tether uh, very much. But for example, no. with, uh, with Terra, Right. No one knew, like, are they are they buying Terra with the BTC to stabilize the peg? How much are they doing it? Like, are they doing it a little bit or like what's going on? All this stuff. There's none of that with with Frax. You can just look and you can see exactly what's going on. And, and, and you know, to be honest, I think what you Frax, you know, sort of coming back to Tether. Right. And you mentioned Tether. Right. I I think Tether was, they built a smart contract on top of Bitcoin using the Omni framework at that time, right? And they were the first stable coin to come to market and they worked and built their framework in a market where, which was really dominated by centralized exchanges at the time. There were no DEXs at the time. There were no AMMs, right? It was all really centralized exchanges and they built the currency that allowed for the interworkings between the centralized exchanges. And they went through super hard times, but they always came out and the market wasn't as big as it is today. And so maybe they came through that and, and they learned so much that they built out these processes. They had challenges with the governments, they had challenges with, with, with hacks as well, um, et cetera, but they withstood each of those and they grew I, my belief is stronger and I've worked with Paolo and the whole Bitfinex team or the, the Tether team. And, and I feel like you just said, they did really well and you feel comfortable with them and you can sleep at night and how much they can digest um, and absorb because they've become pretty big. And I'd say sort of maybe to an extent too big to fail. But I think where Frax is super interesting is you've taken a lot of that similar, or my interpretation at least, is you've taken a lot of that model and applied it into a DeFi world, right? And where a market is dominates with decentralized exchanges, AMMs in the marketplace, and you've managed to establish fracks with those decentralized exchanges, decentralized farming, with Convex, with Curve, and then ultimately also with the likes of Ave and, and created an environment. How do you, and how have you, how's that journey been for you? And how did you see and spot that opportunity, you know, when the DeFi summer came out um, and then you were really well positioned in that. So um, yeah, maybe share some insights in terms of that journey. And yeah. I think that's really where you shined, right? Yeah, definitely. And, and you uh, and your team. Yeah. And, and just to uh, comment on, on, uh, the, the tether stuff, like you said, uh, you're totally right. In fact, I actually saw this tweet. I, I don't know. I don't remember if it was like uh, Joe Weisenthal from Bloomberg or someone. I uh, so don't quote me on it. But the other way to look at the whole tether thing recently that everyone was was redeeming it and stuff is that it's actually strong indicator that the tether is sound when you can actually uh, do a billion dollars of redemption nonstop every day for. Uh, a week and and still keep going like yeah. that that that's a that's called a stress test and passing the stress test with with <laughs> so so there's, there's Fine colors, right, right there's yeah. the other side of that as as well which which people yeah. don't consider people are like look everyone's leaving the, the, this there's something wrong here it's like okay but everyone's leaving and they're getting a dollar uh, like that that's exactly yeah. what's supposed to happen right um, but yeah for for uh, Frax yeah we we're really big on in, in terms of the DeFi and crypto native. Uh, so yep. For example, Frax uh, has 20% of the total uh, liquidity on, on Curve in total. The, the Frax who yep. is like, uh, is, is huge and, and it like fuels a lot of uh, DeFi liquidity, DeFi yields, and, and those are sustainable yields, right? So Curve distributes its transaction fees from Curve to CRV tokens, right? So it's not like the, the tokens do not have cash flow, right? They, they clearly have cash flow and convex built on top of that. Yeah. Uh, and they also built on top of our uh, Frax gauges as well. Um, so we're just building a lot of very sustainable, you know, DeFi native 
things and taking things sustainably and slow, right? Like frac supply is 1.5 billion. It was, it was almost, uh, 3 billion, um, the, you know, before wow. the open market contraction, right? But that, and, and everything, yep, right? yep. there's a, there's a, you know, 40% contraction. Peg is perfectly sound. Like, like I was saying with Tether, that that's actually, uh, yep. that's exactly how it's supposed to happen. If people yep. want to, uh, you know, redeem or, or sell, then it's supposed to perfectly work exactly as, as intended. So that's, uh, that's been a really big, uh, thing to demonstrate our, our strength in this area. Yeah, so that's an interesting fact. I didn't know that. So you actually, I mean, yeah, you can see that, right? I mean, like you said, what you see is what you get. You can see it online. You've contracted in the last sort of, let's say, 10 days, you know, by more than what, nearly 2 billion. And you've managed to absorb that all the while holding the peg. Yeah, exactly. About about a billion, right? And and yeah. definitely. And, and nothing has nothing has uh, has changed, right? Everything is, is uh, sustainable. It's at peg. Things are looking good. Uh, just like just like Maker, right? So you know, uh, shout yeah. out to uh, everyone with with Dai and and stuff, right? They're they're been perfectly yeah. at, at peg as well. And I think it's really important to just highlight, like at scale, and and what I mean by that term is stable coins with at least over a billion in supply. It's very difficult to maintain the your your peg with with there's you know not fundamentals behind it, right? It's it's one thing to have like Stablecoin with like 50 million or 200 million supply or something, yeah. right? And like, you know, yeah. 200 people holding it or something or farming with it uh, versus like thousands and thousands of people that hold it independently, right? And and it's on multiple chains, DEXs, AMMs and stuff, right? And it, it has uh, over a billion in supply and that's a different animal, right? And so, um, and then Tether itself and USDC are even further along at different leagues with with tens of billions of, of dollars right so there's yeah. there's there's uh levels to this and if you look at you know sort of not only are you involved and, and, and very engaged with a lot of the DeFi world and community uh from exchanges and and etc you're also on multiple chains right i think you're uh one of the sort of algorithmic coins that's on nearly all the chains on most chains I remember going on to multi-chain, as, it, as it's called now, um, or any swap at the time, and I just saw fracks on every single exchange, on every single chain. Uh, it was like super impressive. So yeah, so how has that been as a challenge? And, and, and do you see differences between the chains? Yeah, uh, so at the end of the day, right, like if, if fracks or anything is going to be successful, it has to, there has to be demand for it organically, right? Not by you know, paying yeah. uh, high yields or, or anything like that, or or like inflating your yeah. your uh, governance token nonstop or something like that. Frax as a protocol overall is is actually profitable. We make over a, a hundred uh, million dollars of, of revenue. I think with the last numbers uh, wow. were one hundred fifteen million, even in in the current uh, market wow. conditions. And we're yeah. we're doing extremely well. So we're also deployed on. Uh, 12 different chains, uh, if I remember correctly, and might be actually a few yeah. more, but uh, we're, we're natively deployed there, meaning people can mint and uh, redeem fracks on, on those chains through system contracts. And uh, we're, like you said, if you go on any of these chains, you know, Moonbeam, uh, Phantom, uh, Polygon, BSC, Arbitrum, Optimism, um, there's, you know, Boba, other ones, I'm, I'm forgetting a few of them. You'll, you'll see there's there's Frax pairs, Aurora, right, near and, and stuff like that. There, there's Frax yeah. uh, everywhere and, and there's Frax uh, liquidity, there's Frax usage. And so I think right now the, the two predominant stable coins for, for like decentralized usage and DeFi is uh, Frax and DAI, other than the, the fiat coins, obviously. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's, I mean, ultimately, you know, any coin, there are two things that really drive, I mean, for me is presence, right? So can I use it anywhere and, and where? And then ultimately the utility element, right? So not only is it earning yield, which is great, obviously, we all love to earn yield uh, when we're saving. Um, so yield is another way of saying interest or savings account uh, when you lock it up. But I mean, in essence, you've also got to be able to use it in, in, in certain elements, areas, and, and hence provide utility. And 
in the DeFi world, the utility has largely been being able to have swappability, exchange, trading, um, and then migrating uh, fracts from one exchange onto another exchange and, and then swapping it out into another currency or with another pair. Yeah, and, and I think... How have you seen... Yeah, yeah I, I think like yeah. uh, the next phase of this stuff, just like you're saying, is making sure Frax is integrated in, in every place, like even fiat on and off ramps, right? So it's like truly cash equivalent yep. on on places like you know yep. Coinbase, FTX, uh, Binance, and, and things like yep. that. And you brought up the uh, savings account stuff, and, and maybe this is a good uh, time to put in that Frax is, is actually um, has two stable coins. So one is the, the Frax price index, the FPI stable coin, which is uh, pegged to the CPI. Um, so it, it actually, yeah. um, it's basically an inflation resistant new uh, peg stable coin. So, so our, our project and, and the entire ecosystem greater Frax economy is it revolves around two stable coins, uh, Frax and, and the FPI. And Frax is dollar pegged, whereas the FPI is uh, CPI pegged stable coin. And so some people ask kind of, uh, how come Frax doesn't have like euros or, or like yen and stuff? There's only dollars and, and then the, this FPI stable coin. And the way that we view things is that the, the dollar is, is, is king in terms of unit of account and, and global commerce, uh, at least, you know, right now and for the foreseeable future. But if DeFi and crypto is to have uh, any possible uh, unit of account that's successor to the dollar, I think it'll be something like the FPI where it is pegged to a basket of consumer items because that's ultimately, with, for human beings, the thing that keeps our standard of living the same, right? Like the things, the physical things we care about, like food, energy, oil, cars, electronics, and, and these kinds of things. And that's what the FPI is. is pegged and so that's how we sort of reconnected and, and got into a deeper conversation talking about truflation, right? So when, when we were, we were super keen to ensure, cause one of the things that we got, you know, that I launched truflation.com was out of the belief that the inflation metrics that we're seeing and we're told today isn't necessarily an accurate reflection of what we're actually physically experiencing. And I think the population and the general, um, consensus in a society or in a nation is that uh, is an unawareness or a, a, an underappreciation of the value of a dollar. A dollar is a dollar. It's a dollar today and it's a dollar in a year. But actually, with an inflation rate of 10%, your dollar is only worth, let's say, 90, 90 cents versus the $1. It still says $1 mm -hmm. on that piece of paper, but it's actually buying you, you know, 90 cents worth of goods. And so that's why I think the FBI is a super interesting innovation and a drive in the marketplace that we need to protect the purchasing power of individuals um, and, and not have that separate tax brought on to us through inflation that ultimately, ultimately loses and diminishes the purchasing power that everybody right has. On. So and, that's super exciting. Yeah, yeah, and not just that, but also if you think about it, right, like, uh, it, everyone's asking about, you know, are these dollar pegged stable coins? Do they have like decentralized collateral and, and stuff? But a lot of people forget the, the peg is not decentralized, right? All of these dollar, uh, stable coins, they passively, uh, essentially are passive takers of the feds monetary policy, right? Which is fine. Cause a lot of people want, you know, dollars and everyone does their counting in dollars. But if the goal is to have, you know, self-sovereign stable unit of account, there needs to be experiments like the FPI and, and, and more, right? Um, that basically have new units of account that keep standard of living the same, but they're not passive takers of, of the Fed's monetary policy, right? And I think, for example, uh, Bology, uh, who, who uh, is, is like yeah. a, a backer of Frax, but also just has a lot of thoughts on this stuff because he's been a really uh, crypto native guy since the early days. He calls these... Uh, Flat yep. coins instead of stable coins. They're flat, flat coins. Exactly. Yeah, the, the purchasing power, not necessarily stable to a dollar peg, because like that's mostly what stable coins have come to mean. 
And so FPI is kind of the first flat coin is the way that he puts it. And there's, I think there's going to be a lot of them. Like, for example, there's already another project called uh, Volt Protocol that also is yeah. uh, yep. pegged to CPI. Yep. And so they have the, the same uh, peg. Yep. And what's really cool about that is I actually think that this makes FPI uh, stronger and Volt because when, when there's a shelling point around a new unit of account, you can build, you know, deep liquidity. You can build curve pools around it. You can have Uniswap concentrated liquidity. People can start using this unit as, as a potential alternative and, and maybe later a successor to accounting in, in dollars, right? And uh, the more CPI pegged or, or you know, like self-sovereign pegged stable coins that follow the FPI's, you know, kind of track, the, the more likely it is for this unit to actually be a, a legitimate alternative unit than, than the dollar. Exactly. And, 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 you know, like, like with you, I mean, um, Balaji is also engaged with Trueflation and really was very supportive and, and inspirational to really build this product out and really capture a cryptographically verifiable source of truth for a pricing index that impacts, you know, a, a the population or everybody. Um, and so, yeah, so super keen to sort of see how we ensure the protection of a purchasing power or the flatness in the value of what you can purchase with a dollar, right? Because in essence, let's not forget, the reason why we created these units was to enhance and to increase the velocity of trade, mm -hmm. right? And the exchange of goods and services and put a uniform you know, value to uh, and that exchange of services on products and goods. And so, um, yeah, I think this is a way to get back to that. Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, um, I think, yeah. I think Bology really sees the, the importance of that. And, and so does the, uh, the Chainlink yeah. guys, right? Because we use the, the Chainlink CPI yeah. Oracle and we're Definitely. really looking forward to yeah. working with you guys at Trueflation to create uh, yeah. good CPI alternative measures of inflation or, you know, and, and bring all of these price data to, to the blockchain, right? And so the idea with the FPI is even though right now it uses the, the Fed's uh, definition of, of the CPI basket, the whole point is that it should not end up being passive, right? Uh, acceptors or takers of, of the, the Fed's monetary policy. So it's, it's going to be in, in the medium and long term, the, the CPI gauges and what the weights are and, and the prices and what items are in there are going to be uh, done with on-chain governance with with new oracles, you know, like Trueflation's oracles and and all of these things that make it so that it's self-sovereign rather than, than passive in terms of uh, monetary policy. And I think exactly to that point, right? I mean, we now are in a, in a situation where we have oracle services and you have a lot of traditional financial institutions that have invested in so-called tips right so treasury inflation protected securities that are the, and and then you know if those are backed and based on a six to eight percent um inflation rate whereas actually inflation is really at a nine or 12 percent ratio what do I need to do? There's a huge arbitrage between what a real inflation protection is and what do I need to do to protect the real purchasing power from an economic standpoint of my dollar tomorrow. And if I'm sitting on that dollar, I want to make sure that that, that, that happens. And I think there's going to be a larger increase in economic injection and financial injection into crypto for something or a reliable source of truth for inflation data and financial products that are going to adjust and allow me to manage that arbitrage between actual inflation and the reported inflation. Yeah, definitely. And, and exactly right. And I think, yeah. um, you know, the, the thing is, even though right now, uh, you know, the Fed is raising rates, right? I'm sure everyone that, that's uh, listening or, you know, going to be listening to this uh, podcast, they're going to they're gonna be thinking about, you know, in, in this rising rates environment, 
right, where where risk assets are actually losing value against the U.S. dollar. What's going to happen to the consumer inflation rate? In fact, I actually think, and, and I hope I'm wrong to be honest, but but I actually have a little bit of a, a, a gloomy outlook that I think there's a high chance of stagflation or this situation where there is no inflation on risk assets, right? Because but there is inflation on consumer assets, which is very uh, very bad, right? Because we need we our, our lives and our standard of living bad. is is uh, you know composed of, of consumer items, food rent, services, and yeah. and these things. And without them, or if they get too expensive to afford, our standard of living goes down, right? But the thing is, previously, we were in a all-out inflationary environment, right? Where, where stocks, crypto, every single yeah. thing, uh, because of, of more money printing, was, was actually going uh, going up, right? And, and now we're in a deflationary, at least the past few weeks, uh, time against risk assets, right? I mean, you you look at the price of all, all crypto assets and stocks and, and all of these things, it's, it's not actually inflationary against those assets. However, the price of consumer assets, energy, oil, food, all of the important stuff that we care about at the end of the day, those prices are continuing to stay elevated and, and uh, unfortunately rise. Uh, hopefully they don't, but, but my, my pessimistic outlook is that they, they probably will. So it's extremely important to have you know, things like the FPI that are pegged to those assets, right? And then also reliable pricing of, of those assets like Trueflation, Oracles, and, and, and these things. Because at the end of the day, those are what's important, right? Like that, that's what humans care about. That's what our yeah. standard of living is composed of. And it impacts all of us, right? And so that's sort of, I mean, maybe it gets a bit more political, this question. But I mean, in the end, there's been this big, I mean, I'm sure you've seen the Twitter disputes between Bezos and um, and Biden around taxing, um, increasing tax levels in order to bring down inflation, which sort of seems, um, yeah, what's your view on that? And, 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 and you know, sort of, I'm, I'm enjoying that debate, to be honest. I just really think, it's it's a good opportunity to see and have open discourse about how we can improve our economy and and, and improve visibility and transparency into pricing and the operations um, of a Fed of a government and 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 how tax does implicate everybody. Yeah. What's but it'll be interesting to hear your your perspective. Yeah, as well. I mean the the issue uh, that's going on right now is there there was. Uh, inflation in every type of asset there was generalized inflation right and and yeah. everyone thought that they were really smart because they were quote quote making money just by buying anything that that's not you know cash right the whole thing cash um the issue now yeah. is with r rising rates you can stamp out currently in this environment risk asset inflation but then what do you do about the the consumer uh product inflation and so i think there's this discussion of like every kind of lever that's uh on the table like like taxation i don't think that's gonna help personally uh but, or or like other kinds of policies to to actually you know lower the price of consumer items but i'm actually not sure i mean i'm not like a i'm not the the fed chairman i'm not jerome powell and i, I don't pretend to know like all of yeah. this stuff but but it doesn't look very good to, yeah. to be honest and i wish i could come here and be like oh yeah you know all everything's peachy but uh, it it's gonna be hard, like because because people will need yep. these consumer items. They need oil, energy, all of these things, and uh, you you there, there's a finite amount of ability to produce those things, right? And and you yep. can't you can no longer print more money to spur the production and reinvestment of, of more of those consumer assets because you already did that, right? You you did that during the pandemic, and so you, yep. you basically burned that dry powder, right? That That's done. So then now the only thing you can do is either tax more or, or tighten to get the, the risk asset inflation out of the market, but that actually stops reinvestment and production of, of consumer items, right? Because when interest rates are high and stuff, everyone wants to just sit on cash slash treasuries, right? And uh, then yeah. It's, yeah. It's, that's the... That's the bad. That's the bad zone, right? That's like the stagflation corner where it's like you you can't you're boxed in. You don't know what to really do. So I'm I'm curious to 
see what Jerome Powell kind of does in the next, you know, six to eight months. So we at Trueflation, we've aggregated more than, you know, from 45 different data sources, we aggregate over a million different data points across across 12 different categories of pricing, right? And those include commodities, those include, um, yeah, so we can actually see that in the future, what, you know, we have an index that provides us insight into that future um, around those commodities so that we can then see what is it like? What's likely to happen? And, and the biggest changes that we've seen so far has been around electricity, energy, you know, gasoline prices, transportation, but then also food. And so food's been going up in prices or shrinkflation is the other thing that's happening where the size of the foods and the dishes and the, the packets that you get are being reduced at the same price or slightly marginal lower price. And psychologically, that seems to be working for the big brands. But then alternatively, down the road, we're seeing a rise in anticipate, you know, the sort of ground materials needed for food, right? Wheat prices are going up and we're seeing a struggling in being able to keep up with the wheat production, especially given that 30% of wheat supply comes from Russia and Ukraine and they're being sanctioned at the moment and going through war and not only is the supply not getting to market the planting and the you know the sort of you know laying the seeds for next year is also going to struggle and so you look at that and where's that going to take us and how do we manage inflation in an environment like that and and make sure foods on the table um maybe Mm -hmm. vertical you know um farming is going to be more popular and yeah anyway i don't know but there's we are creative. Yeah. And, and, uh, these next few months are going to be really, really important for just builders and crypto in the real world, like you're saying, and, and everything, because, you know, in, in these times of rising rates, uh, lower prices and risk assets, but inflation and consumer prices, it's almost like a jolt of reality, right? Like you're, you're not going to make a bunch of money, uh, by buying pictures of monkeys, right, or or like investing in like the the, the re- most recent like yeah. you know ICO or whatever, um, it's it's going to take a lot of actual building of value, right? It, it's literally the exact opposite market condition where it's like, what is the fundamental core value uh, humans care about? It's consumer items because like that's we're physical people and we we care about these things, right? And so everything that has cash flow that is able to produce uh, consumer items or it's cash flow that stays stable uh, to a basket of consumer items or that there's cash flow for investors that uh, earn that that cash flow, then they can go buy the baskets of consumer items, right? And keep their standard of living uh, the same. Those are the assets everyone is going to be looking at right now because otherwise, if if uh, they're not going to be investing in those, they just sit in treasuries, right? And, and increased it rates, right? They don't yeah. need to buy uh, the latest NFT or, or something like that. They they just basically hold uh, U.S. treasuries. And, and there's going to be, I think, um, I think the rate target for the end of the year is, is even 3% or more, which uh, I think this is the first time in crypto's 10-year existence that it's uh, going to be in a environment that rates are actually substantive and not like essentially zero. So it's going to be really yeah, interesting yeah. to see how things work out in this environment. Yeah. So we just had a, you know, everybody expected and anticipated a, you know, 50 basis points rate hike. Right. And, um, and we still look at the market, how it's reacted to that. Right. We knew it was coming we were expecting it. And still, given the certainty that we knew it was coming, we still crashed, right? I mean, the markets came down, valuations across the board uh, in fiat as well as in crypto are both down. And, you know, what's the next? We're all expecting another 50 basis points to come and hit us in in June, right? And so that's that's what, you know, 10, 20 days away. And so that's going to come and hit us. What does that look like? And what does that mean for at least from the financial perspective. And I think to your point, builders are what we need now, right? People that are going to really build value going forward, right? Both from a software development standpoint to be able to allow 
participants in the ecosystem to accurately monetize their development, their products and their value and the worth that they've been adding to the ecosystem, but then also to ensure there's enough supply on the table and make sure that that gets, and they get rewarded for having worked through these hard times and be able to provide, you know, with accurate value being given back to those builders, um, uh, you know, that's going to be really important in this cycle yeah, going definitely. forward, and, I feel. And also, yeah, and, How do and, we ensure and, that? Uh, yeah. I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news as well, but like, that's not the only rate hike coming in <laughs> that's in June, right? Like they, they expect them to come yeah. almost every other month the, 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 for the rest of this year. And that's, uh, yeah. I, I have this thing that I say yeah. is like, we're not even at max pain yet, right? And, and like max pain is, is like total, yeah. complete capitulation. Uh, and to be honest, like that's basically what we, we build at Frax that for for. The, the times where it's like, it's this bad, you want to hold the peg, be profitable, be building things that are important, like the FPI, yeah. like the Frax stablecoin, all the all the tech that we have can keep yeah. cash flow positive. Uh, because the whole point of being a stablecoin or, or a flat coin or whatever that is is rock solid is you're supposed to be able to, in this, in this extremely difficult economic environment, to actually uh, provide the the actual stability that people want otherwise they're just going to dump your your stable coin right if they if they uh, don't feel like you this this protocol is resilient enough and and things like that then you you're not going to get the benefit of when people demand stuff like like the fpi or like frax or like dollar uh pegged stable coins they're not going to hold yours they're going to hold the other ones that they feel are safer and and the good news is we've we've perfectly executed and like you know everything uh, is is at peg and, and things are uh, doing well. So we've actually benefited from uh, a lot of people saving in FPI stablecoins, uh, using them, them sustainably growing uh, overall. So it's it's been it's been good, but difficult is is how I like to put it. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly what we need, right? The world needs an insurance policy for everyday participants in an economy with to ensure their purchasing power how do we ensure the people's purchasing power and 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 maybe it's a flat coin maybe it's an insurance coin or some other model like that but that's what we need to have um and 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 to go forward to ensure that your purchasing mm -hmm. power stays the same um and that's ultimately what a stable coin was built for right to ensure a less volatility and more you know, anticipation of what you can see is going to come in the future and how this dollar is still going to be a, a, you know, a dollar tomorrow versus the crypto class or the crypto coins or Web3 coins, whatever you want to call them, they, they're slightly more volatile, right? So they vary if you translate them into a, a, a more fiat currency, unless we continue to drive or not only unless sorry we have to now drive more utility with our tokens um in the marketplace right and so that i think is it's, yeah and, it's an and basically it's, it comes to you know yeah. the other thing uh I, I kind of look at these things a little philosophically but a little like kind of mathematically which is like i think interest rates are, are kind yeah. of like the the shock like like the electric shock to like speculative frenzy right and so it's like everyone everyone was like yeah. making money and like investing in this stuff and whatever and like every kind of like yeah. uh rate hike is kind of jerome powell being like snap out of it right right like snap out of it and and like go back to the yeah. fundamentals right and uh we've always been a fundamental player in terms of shipping in terms of just having things be very sustainable and not expecting uh, you know, high yeah. yield and like subsidized yield to ever uh, be needed and, and things like that for FRAX and FPI adoption. And uh, I think that's why we're, we're doing really well yeah. in this environment. That's why uh, Maker is doing really well in this environment. DAI is, is holding steady there. You know, they don't build relying on uh, a lot of subsidies or anything really. And, and so that's those, this is the time for like those kinds of builders to, to accept. You know, one of the things that was funny, I was on a, a conversation the other day with a counterpart, right? It's like they're 
there's been sort of two different philosophies, particularly, I don't know, you know, there's Elon Musk, I saw his interview in, I think where he was with the Financial Times, where he was saying that, you know, factory workers in China, they sleep on the factory floor, they just work on the factory level, whereas, you know, his factories in California haven't been like that, where people have been sort of, they don't want to work really, right? It's been hard to get them to the table to actually build cars. And in order to hit his metrics, he needs to sort of, he needs more productivity. But neither they're here nor there. One of the analogies was, oh, you know why that's the case? Because, you know, in Hollywood, we show pictures where I have Spider-Man, Marvel, right? Where I get bitten by a nuclear, you know, a, 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 a infested spider, and then I get superpowers, and then I don't need to work hard. Whereas in China, they have 70 series of Wuxia, right? Where you have to go to a monk and into a monastery up in the mountains, and you have to fight for, you know, 17 years to become a black belt, you know, uber kung fu artist, right? So the whole, and you have to have intellectually studied, you have to have understand the philosophy, work with the flow and the water, right? The, the Ten Rings movie that came out, right? So there's a whole different shift in mindset that I think is coming through. And I think crypto has very much adopted a meritocracy-driven environment where, I mean, when we meet, every time I meet you, Sam, we're, it's on a Saturday, it's a Sunday, we're talking shop, you've just come from the office, we've just finished up a number of phone calls, we've been moving things, we've been coding. Um, so it's an interesting, different perspective in where the world is moving towards and, and sort of what's needed to yeah, be successful. Yeah. A lot of it um, is in the culture, future, like right? you're saying, I mean, yeah. I, I don't even usually know what day it is because, yeah. you know, Saturday, Sunday, <laughs> Monday, Wednesday, it all looks the same to me. I'm always uh, doing the, the same thing. I think a lot of people that are in the, the Frax community and huh. stuff, they always see me online. Cause like, that's, I, I'm, a, I'm a pretty simple guy. I, I build yep. frac stuff. I maybe do some lifting, yep. and then and then that's that's really it. You know, one, once every few yep. days, I I might uh, yep. take like you know a couple hours breather and stuff. But I'm just really into what I do, and and uh, yep. it's it's good in this environment, yep. believe it or not, for people that are uh, really motivated to build stuff out, like like you're saying, that are uh, you know driven in in their culture and every every frax. Uh, you know, core dev, like whether it's, you know, Travis, Drake, Rich, Justin, Dennis, uh, all of them. And, yeah. and uh, they're all the same. So we're all always uh, around the clock working, building. And uh, and it's it's a good thing because because in this environment, you you get rewarded, whereas in, in the other environment where, you know, it, it's less uh, rewarding monetarily because everyone's just, you know, doing fun stuff yeah. and, and making money. But no matter what the environment, we're always doing the, the same thing, which is always shipping and, and working to make this a, a huge thing. Yeah, and I think that's the fun thing about this, you know, sort of, yeah, it's the greatest time to be alive. And if you have a good mission, you know, you can really have a, a, a significant impact. And that is really rewarding, right? And, and, you know, I look at, you know, Dan, who's just flown, he's in Korea, it's 4 a.m. as we're doing this recording for him. Um, but he gets up, he's super excited and he's so apologetic because he missed it by an hour. He didn't get up at 3 a.m. to do this call, but he really loves and enjoys it, right? And so participants in this area, meeting great people, being able to participate um, and engage and actually show, not only participate, you're not a lurker in the background, they're actually actively engaged and delivering on it. Um, it's super exciting to see and the changes whilst we're going through a huge change right now uh, after the last week in, in terms of what's happened in stablecoin market and, and with a whole layer one blockchain but the learnings in the community are taken in really fast they're interpreted and converted as a whole society and as a whole community we move forward based on those learnings and how do we optimize that right and we're doing the same with inflation data and protecting purchasing power in a flat coin, stable coin, insure coin, whatever we want to coin, call it. But um, that's what's going to happen going forward. And I think Frax is going to be a key part in that. And hopefully we can work together more often um, yeah, and, and we're really just drive this vision to, to home. Do it, right? Like you're saying, a lot of, a lot of the part yeah. of just being, you know, really 
really into like doing all this stuff every single day of the week at any time is you're just really into it when when it's when it's fun yeah. for you it's not really work and and yeah. uh that's exactly what what it is for for us it's just a lot of fun and it's really really into it so all of you in order to be super excited in life find your work life mesh and mesh the two together so that you can actually have and enjoy what you do and at the same time get the satisfaction and and you know make sure that you're doing it every day all day all the time within mm-hmm, exactly. different measures thank you sam super excited man um how can people i mean obviously you know they can go to frax and, and search google find out frax learn about it um you're really active on social media on twitter maybe what's your twitter handle and um yeah and, and yeah, if they have any um, questions so is I'm, there a I'm telegram group twitter. That they should join and, on or discord which is the better channel to sort of engage yeah, with i'm always on twitter and, and telegram it's actually the same username just my yeah. name sam kasmian uh yeah. and check out the the frax telegram channel i'm yeah. always there uh and take a look uh you know and and get some farming going and and yield check out fpi stuff it's it's growing really fast and you know, uh, hit us up. We're very available and we're very, very excited to work with anyone. And super engaging, always ready to talk to everybody. So please, if anybody wants to find out more about Frax and FPI and, and maybe F true or something, if we work that out in the future. Um, yeah, really thank you, Sam, for your time. Uh, always great insights. And, and it's obviously, um, a perfect time to learn about stable coins and in the future what a flat coin is start now get into it help out and if you really want to get engaged i'm sure uh there are ways that either with frax with trueflation with any of the other protocols vault uh die get involved reach out learn and participate thank you everybody thank you sam awesome This was Stefan Roost and Sam Kazemian. You can follow Sam on Twitter at Sam Kazemian, S-A-M-K-A-Z-E-M-I-A-N, and Frax Finance at Frax Finance, that's F-R-A-X-F-I-N-A-N-C-E. You can also follow Stefan on Twitter at sroost99, that's S-R-U-S-T-99, and you can find the super excited with Stefan Roost podcast on all major podcast platforms and on YouTube on the Stefan Roost channel. Thank you for listening.